Well, good morning, church. There's always one that's the last to sit down, isn't there? Oh, no, there's two. The two that talk the most, Derek and Chuck. Yep. There you go. You see? Still at it. Still at No, no, that just, we'll wait for you guys. It's... <laughs> Morning, Derek. Hey, welcome home. I, I know I say this every single week, but welcome home. Welcome home to those of you that are in the room. Welcome home to those of you that I'm speaking to online as well. We have a meeting at about 7.45 on a Sunday morning just to you're the key team just to go through, I guess, what's happening, any issues, any personnel issues, are we down on people, all of that sort of stuff. But just to look at, you know, what, what is it that we want to bring to the day in? I love what Cindy, our amazing kids church pastor, said this morning. She just dropped this thought, and it's, it's one of those thoughts that's probably going to haunt me for a while. I love those things that just go through your mind and haunt you for the rest of the week. She said, you know, we want, we want people that make the effort to be in the room. And I, and I get that, you know, for those of you who are online, that there are reasons for you not being here. I totally understand that. Totally get it. But for those of you that have braved the cold and are in this room, we want to make sure that it's worth it. We want every single person that's come here to say, being in the house of God, being in the presence of his people was worth it. Don't you love that thought? I do. I think my wife and I do. Just, do you guys love that thought? That you, it's just, we want this to be worth it. And I love that our kids' church pastor is thinking that for our kids as well. How incredible is that? Can I ask you, though, how's your chatting with God going? Sometimes we call it prayer. But if you look at it as a coffee with God, communicating with God, chatting with God, how's your chatting with God going? Do you find, I'll be open, okay? I'm in this position at times as well, and you can berate me later. But do you find that sometimes there's, there's days have gone past without you even talking to God? Maybe, maybe you do have that checklist and that time, but sometimes life just gets away from you. You find, I, I've just gone without chatting to God for a while. Now, what I do want to say is that church, the organization, the community of church, we're not here to take away responsibility, your personal responsibility for your chats with God. That's not what we're going to do. Nor are we here to take away your personal responsibility for worship with God. But we do set up environments. And, and this is an environment where worship and teaching happens. You see, our responsibility, my responsibility as one of the pastors, is to teach. Your responsibility is to learn. See, we have a corporate, we have a, a mutual responsibility in all of that. But then there's the chatting with God, the, the prayer and we do that at times, small times on a Sunday. We have our church-wide prayer. I think it's quarterly as well. But one of the things that's been on my heart over the past couple of weeks is just setting some time aside 
every single week where people can come and pray together. Now, let me say, I'm not doing a prayer meeting. We have those. We value those. This is, I'm just going to come in at 7 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. I'm going to open the church. It'll be entrance A. And I'm going to open the church for prayer. Now, some of you might think, okay, I want to bring something to that, and that's great. We can pray into those things. But I am not leading a prayer meeting. All I'm doing is on a Tuesday morning, for those of you that are able to, I'm going to open the church so that you can come in and we can pray together. If you feel the need, whether you're in the room at the moment or at home, you feel the need to stay at home but want to join with us, why don't you do that? Because I I get it. Family, COVID, all of that sort of stuff may cause you to say, I want to be part of it, but I can't be in the presence of. That's okay. What I'd love you to do is maybe drop into Facebook, hey, I'm joining with you this morning, or on Instagram, whatever your social media, or text me if you haven't got my number. I should have actually thrown it up there. Could you, are you able to type something as I say, Desiree, and throw it up on, no, you're not, okay. Anyone got a notebook with you, or a phone? Here's my number, 306-220-7824. That is my number, isn't it? Write it down. I don't care who's got my number. 306. You see, scammers have my number, and they're able to get rid of me, and my church isn't. What the heck is that? 306-220-7824. Take it down. Anyone in the room and online now has no excuse that they're not able to contact me. 306-220-7824. Just drop me a text. Say, hey, with you this morning. Is that okay? Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for every single person in this room and every single person that's watching online, whether it's in the moment or later on. Father, I pray that as we open our hearts and our minds to your word, that we will be changed, we will be transformed as we're in your presence. I pray, Father God, that this year will be an incredible year for the church but also for us as a church as well. I pray that as we, we set out on a Holy Spirit adventure, that you will lead us, that you will guide us. I pray for those that don't know you, that somehow what happens today, from the very car park through the service, out to the car park again, will cause people to want to know you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if you haven't already got your notebooks out, can you get them out? Because we're going to get into the Word of God. And, and just, a, just a, a thought on notebooks as well and taking notes. Unless you have what could be described as audiographic memory or echoic, echoic, I think it's called as well, memory, you will not remember what I say. You might remember one thing or two things, but if you take it down, it increases from about 10% to about 75%. Now, you might not want to remember what I say. (laughs) That's another thing. But I want people's lives to grow. We, as a preaching team, want people's lives to grow and move forward. So I want to encourage you. Take notes. I'm someone that... I like to know where I'm going. 
If I, if I go on a journey, I like to know the details. Not necessarily all before making the decision. One of the things that I've said before is that I try as much as it's within my, my grasp to not involve the... Uh, I can't even remember what I do now. <laughs> I try not to involve the problem-solving process in the decision-making process. Make a decision and then work out some of the problems after. But I do like to know details. If I'm doing a wedding, it's probably one of the most nervous things that I do. I like to know everything's in place. If, I, if I'm going on a journey, and I've had the privilege over, over the past few years, I, I, for, for our um, Canadian immigration uh, application, I had to list the journeys that I've done over the past 10 years out of, out of the UK. Every country I visited, I'm like going through them, Serbia, Kosovo, all sorts of places, India, Tanzania, uh, everywhere. And I've had the privilege of being able to do that as part of my job, but also as holidays and things like that. And the more I know, the less anxious I am about what's happening. I guess it's what you call being a control freak. Yeah, that's, I have to admit that. But the thing is, as we as a church enter a new season, a new year, we just don't know what's in front of us. We can plan and we can have details and, and have things in order. And, and, and I, you know, I, I live by my diary. I try not to do anything. Well, I try to put everything that I'm doing in my diary so I'm not caught off guard. But we don't know what's on, in front of us. We're going on a bear hunt. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's message. We are on a Holy Spirit adventure. And the phrase that I want you to remember from today is, we have not passed this way before. So we've entered 2022, and I was just reminded that we, I, I mean, are at the end, the beginning of the second year of pastoring this church, six months from afar, uh, and then we moved here in June, but officially it took over in January 2021. In some ways it's flown by, and in others it's felt like crawling through mud at times, just trying to get here, trying to sell our house. But as we enter 2022, for some, it's going to be new jobs, new relationships, new children, new challenges, new homes, new pain. There's going to be new promises, new triumphs, and new tragedies for many people in this room. So how do we navigate what's in front of us? How do we navigate what's in front of us without allowing our hearts to give way to fear? How do we navigate without being full of anxiety, paralyzed by anxiety maybe? Especially, especially those of us that do like to control the details. How do we navigate this year in front? At our last all-team night, and can I encourage you, the all-team nights are just a great environment for us to get together, for those of us that call Circle home. We've got one coming up in February, and I'll give you the date, but can you make sure that you try and get involved in those? They're great nights. But I began a simple thought on a statement 
that God said to one of the great leaders of the Old Testament, a guy called Joshua. God said to Joshua, you have not been this way before. And I really want to continue on that thought today. And maybe even the next time I preach, we've got some, a few different speakers coming up as well. But we have not been this way before. Now, it actually does feel like we're in this sort of matrix COVID deja vu loop. We've had the alpha variant, which we didn't know was a variant at that time, but now we do. Then we had the delta variant. Then we had the, and we're now in the middle of the omni, om, not omicron, om, omicron. Did you know that they've just discovered the, the delta, delta cron variant, which is a combination of the two? There you go. But it feels like we're in the middle of this loop. But I want to say that COVID is not our master. There are inconveniences, hardships. There are things that we have to deal with, restrictions. But COVID is not our Lord and master. We rightly exercise caution. And we apply common sense. And we apply hand sanitizer liberally as well. But there are restrictions that, we, that help us to stay healthy. Things may change. How many of you noticed there wasn't a drummer this morning? <laughs> Some of you didn't. We didn't have a drummer this morning. That's Graham. Now, that was nothing to do with COVID. That was because he's a slightly, he's not old, nowhere near as old as I am, but still trying to do a young man's sport. Tore his Achilles. Sorry, Graham. But things may change, but this didn't. We still worshipped, didn't we? We still raised our hands. For those of us that do that, we still sang. We still worshipped God. Now, what happens if it's just Darcy with a guitar? That may change, but what we do doesn't change. Who we do it for doesn't change. Why we do it doesn't change. All that changes at times is how we do it. We still worship. We still pray. So things may change in this new year. But what we do, why we do it, and who we do it for as a church does not. Now, can we go to the Bible for some truth? See, I mentioned Joshua earlier, and he was, he was just beginning his new role in leading the children of Israel into what is called the promised land. Let me read Joshua 3, verses 1 to 4. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove. Sounds like in the, he was living in the suburbs, doesn't it? And came to Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits. That's, that's nearly a kilometer for, for us by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you 
have not passed this way before. You see, they would know the way. They would know how to navigate what was in front of them. Not because they had a map, not because they had someone that had been there before, not because they had a decent sat-nav, but because they had the presence of God in front of them, and so they could see him. The thing is, when we look at this new year, we don't, know, we don't need to know the details of the year ahead. We need to know more of the one who leads us. We have not passed this way before. You see, when, when we say that, when God said that to the children of Israel, you have not passed this way before, and he was saying, follow me, he was implying there was a trust in the one that was leading. Not Joshua. Not Joshua. But God. They were being led by the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God. And Joshua would still have in his mind a conversation that he had with God a few days before that we read in Joshua 1 verse 9. God's chatting to Joshua and he says a few things, but he sort of ends up with this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Have confidence. Don't, don't allow your heart to give way to fear. Don't be paralyzed by anxiety. I think sometimes we forget that the heroes of the Bible were just ordinary people. Yes, they did extraordinary things at times. Why? Because they were extraordinary? No. Because they were ordinary, but they trusted God. That's, that's really what God was saying. Be of courage because I'm going to be with you. There is a big task in front of you. And again, don't forget, Joshua was taking over from Moses. The most incredible, the most revered leader. That time and down through the history of the children of Israel. And Joshua was stepping into the shoes of the greatest leader that Israel has really ever known. Have confidence, Joshua, because I'm going to be with you. You see, Moses had had the same, same promise as well. When we read in, in Exodus 33, verse 14 to 16, it says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up here. He already knew, God, if you're not going to go with us, what's the point? How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What distinguishes us? from the rest of society is not that we gather on a Sunday. How many of you go to watch the Rough Riders during the season on a Sunday? It's all right. I'm not going to condemn you. I've been to football on a... The, real football, by the way. Just We invented the game. We know what it's called. Not soccer. How many of you go on a Sunday? Where's... Oh, Grant's not here. 
Some of you go, Desiree goes. I know there's a few more of you go. Other people go to other sporting events on a Sunday. That's okay. You see, we, they gather on a Sunday. They gather and they sing on a Sunday. Now, in England, Canadians are a lot more polite at football matches, I've noticed. You see, we, we question the referee's parentage. We question what the referee does in his private time. I've noticed that you guys, when you sing songs, there's none of that that I've heard. Maybe it's just when, because I've been with Desiree and we sit in a nice area high above and we get a good view of the pitch. But you see, people gather, people sing, people worship. We worship the players on the pitch. We worship, we give our money. All of those things happen here. So what distinguishes us? Moses knew it. Your presence distinguishes us. And if you do not go with us, God, how will anyone know the difference between what happens in church on Sunday and what happens in a football stadium? How will, how will anyone know? Your presence Joshua was told by God, Moses was told by God that he could step confidently into his future. Not because of his natural ability as a leader. Not because of his self-worth, his self-actualization. He hadn't read Maslow's hierarchy of needs and he'd reached the top and he'd had to stop and that's what's bothering me. It wasn't because of his giftings, his talents. It was because God was with him. Question then would be, how then could he trust God? God was saying, trust me, I will be with you. But how can we trust God is the next question. Is anyone still awake this morning? I want us to go to Psalm 23 and I want to read all of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord or the presence of the Lord forever. Why is this one of the most loved psalms? Why is it read at weddings and funerals? Because it's about confidence and relationship. It brings comfort to know that someone is with us. But can I say, and if we read it not with the eyesight or the perception of who we are, because we're used to the I, we, me, my. Everything in the world is about that. My view, my truth. We, 
We're used to hearing the words, I, my, we, my God, my Father. It's in our vocabulary, it's in our thinking. But when David penned this psalm, when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, you see, what he didn't say was, the Lord is our shepherd. That would have been, the, that would have been the, the usage of that. The Lord is our shepherd. Corporately, he is our shepherd. The children of Israel knew God as their plural shepherd. But here, David is saying, the Lord is my. You see, he was implying intimate relationship. With Father God right at that moment. Not just community relationship, but personal relationship. I want to take a jump. Have you ever heard a statement that when you've heard it, you've it's completely gone over your head because it's so so out of your thinking, so beyond what is norm that you you've actually, it almost feels like you haven't heard it. And for those of you, that, those of us, I would say, that maybe have, have read this next passage of Scripture a few times, the enormity of it can be lost. This is John 10, verse 7 to 16. And I want us to think about this. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and, I will, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. And this verse is probably a verse that you might have read before. Particularly this bit, I have come that they may, may have life and they may have it more abundantly. We've, many of us have heard that verse, come to give us life and life abundantly. Then he goes on to say, listen to this. You've probably read it many times before, but I want you to think about what Jesus is saying. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus said what? I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. If anyone has ever said to you that Jesus never claimed to be God, go back to this verse. Go back to this verse. This isn't some nice little story or analogy. Jesus, very directly speaking to the people who knew the Psalms, was saying, I am God. 
Jesus didn't get crucified because he said some nice things and people didn't like it. It wasn't because he said, be nice to each other. Jesus was crucified because he claimed to be God. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. That man, that the Lord that David was talking about, I am he. He was referring to Psalm 23, the good shepherd. But then he, then he goes on and he says, and, and he talks about the personal connection with the welfare of the sheep. Not an impersonal, universal God. God is everywhere. He's in everything. No, he's saying the shepherd, God knows the sheep. I know my sheep. I know those that are following me intimately. They know my voice and I know them. He was being relational. He was being intimate. He knows them individually, yet he says there's one flock. He knows them as a community, as a corporate entity, but he knows them individually. And as we go through the circumstances that this year will bring, we, we can lose the sense of who we are. We live with masks on. It's difficult to know who people are. We, 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 we're learning to recognize eyes now, aren't we? But we can still lose the sense of who we are in the mask wearing. And I'm not saying anything about mask wearing. I'm just making the comment on we can lose that, that connection because we wear masks and rightly so. And, and in that, we want to know ourselves better. In Psalm 23, when we go back to that, it tells us how. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. I am what Psalm 23 is talking about. Jesus, as we are led by Jesus, as we know Jesus, as we become intimate with him, he restores our soul. How many people, as you've gone through 2021, have felt that their souls needed restoring? Online. How many of you have felt, I need restoring, whether it's physically, emotionally, whatever it is, spiritually, I need my soul restoring. I, I need to come back to who I am, back, being brought back into created order. You see, it's not, being restored is not just case of knowing who we are better, knowing ourselves better. It's a case of knowing Jesus more intimately, more closely. And he is the one that restores our soul. As we follow the good shepherd, it doesn't matter if we haven't been this way before. It doesn't matter if what we experience, whether it's in church or in the, the normal running of life, is so far out of our concept, so far out of our comfort zone, that we, it just throws us off. We come back to the Good Shepherd. We come back to that place of intimacy with Jesus. We come back to the word of God. Last week I talked about having, having encounters daily with the three, three of the things that Jesus left. His word, his spirit, and his body. 
He restores my soul. He puts me back into created order. He restores who we are. You see, we are restored in the transformative presence of the Good Shepherd. I love the the song that we sang this morning. You turn graves into gardens. Bones into armies. You see, in the presence of God, there's transformation. In the presence of God, there is healing. The broken are made whole. You've turned my mourning into dancing. You've turned my brokenness into wholeness. You've turned my captivity into freedom. In the presence of God. Oh, dear Lord. When we lost the moment there. When we stand on the edge of uncertainty. It's not important for control freaks like me to know the details. It's more important to know who is walking through the fire with us. It's more important to know more intimately the one that walks through the water with us. Psalm 23 shows us that even if we have not passed this way before, we can trust him who takes us on the journey of the year. Why? Because he leads us beside still waters. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He restores our soul. He leads us on paths of righteousness. It's nice that, isn't it, though? That's that's where we want to go. We want to be beside still waters. We want to be in that place of green pastures where we're fed. We want to be in that place where our souls are restored. But what about the other bits of Psalm 23? The valley of the shadow of death. Have you noticed that it's the good shepherd that leads us through? He actually leads us into those places at times. But he leads us through those places as well. He doesn't lead us just into green pastures and just beside still waters. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. We need his rod of discipline and his staff of protection. Here's the the dumbest concept that you can think about. The last one. It sounds really nice as well, doesn't it? Oh, you prepare a table before my enemies. Great. Fantastic. I just wouldn't have a concept of sitting down, having a Tim Hortons coffee and some, some what, are they, what do you call them? Bieber bits, bits of Bieber. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? Tim Biebs. While the enemies, and, and in reality, we don't have the enemies that David knew about. We don't have people trying to come and kill us. We, we don't fight against flesh and blood, except that too many of us do. That's the problem. But when they're in the presence of our enemies, there is a sit down at the table. Because we don't give way to fear or anxiety. He's still leading us through those times. So whatever we're facing this year, the uncertainties of the year, 
we have the promised presence of the Good Shepherd. Does anyone remember a verse that I keep dropping in over and over again over the last few weeks? It's Hebrews 13, verse 5. I'm not going to go through it. It's not up there. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, I'll probably keep dropping that in because we need to hear it. If you're online, you need to hear it. I won't leave you. I will not abandon you. And some of you in this room have faced abandonment, have faced rejection, have faced forsakenness, whether that's relational, maybe it's in your childhood. And your question still is of God, are you still going to be around God? Have you left me? Even though maybe I don't feel you, God, have you left me? Go back to the promise of the Word of God. Let's be biblically literate, not because, not because we can get through a version reading plan and they are good, but because it helps us understand the very nature and character of God who loves us, who will never leave us, who will never abandon us, who will never forsake us, who will never cast us aside. Are you still with me, church? We have the promised presence of the good shepherd. He goes before. He restores, he comforts, he disciplines, he protects. I love Paul's prayer for the Ephesians church, which keeps perspective in a season of we have not passed this way before. Ephesians 3, verse 14 and to 19 says this, For this re- For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, understand that we are already rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend or understand with all the saints what is the wet, the width, the width, the length, the depth, and the height. He doesn't just want us to be grounded in love. He wants us to begin to understand it, the vastness of this. He wants us to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Interest in that. He wants us to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Not just to be in his love, but to know it, to experience it, to understand its vastness. And if God is love, then Paul is praying not just for us to experience the feeling of God's love, but to fully know God, the good shepherd. We don't need to know who we are this year. We need to know him more this year. We need to be in his presence as a community and as individuals. This year will bring its joys and pains. We have not passed this way before, but we do know who leads us. Yes, I have a role as lead pastor, but I'm not leading us. We're following the good shepherd, Jesus. We have not been this way before, but as... We follow the presence of God. We will be restored 
to created order, to who we really are. We will find rest. We can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We can know his correction and protection. We can know his provision. We can know him. We can deal with whatever uncertainties life chooses to throw at us. We've not been this way before. But we go in the presence of the one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Will you pray with me, church? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promises that you give us. That you will go before us. That you hem us in behind and before. That you never leave us. You never forsake us. You never abandon us. And you want us to fully know, to fully comprehend, to fully experience the extent of your love. Pray for those people in this room and online right at this moment that maybe have experienced or are experiencing abandonment, rejection, whether that's a relational rejection or maybe even employment rejection. Maybe they're in a place where the childhood stuff has come up and facing that, those feelings, those familiar feelings of abandonment again. Today, God, I pray that you will be so real, so evident as the good shepherd who never leaves, never forsakes, who puts us back into created order, who restores our soul, who leads us, who feeds us. I pray as we head into this new year, this year where we have never been this way before, we will more fully, more completely be in the presence, but also experience your presence, God. Whether that's in times of corporate worship, corporate prayer, or whether it's in times of intimate, individual worship, intimate times of coffee with you, God, I pray that as we, were, as we are known, God, that we will know you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I pray, just want to pray for a couple of groups of people as I do every single week and challenge a few groups of people to respond to Jesus first group of people, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before. You've never said yes. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. That's the, the phrase that the Bible uses. You've given your life to him and I want to challenge you today. You know I'm speaking to you and in a moment I'm going to ask you to do something real simple. It's just put your hand in the air and that's just signifying to me and one or two members of the, our team around the building that yes, you're responding to Jesus. But there's another group of people and maybe you are back in church for the first time, back online for the first time. I don't know. Maybe you've been continuing to come here for a long time, but you have gone away. 
spiritually, you've left God. And you're saying, God, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I surrender to you. Or maybe you're a young person that's grown up in this church or another church. And your faith experience has always been under the umbrella of your family, whether it's your parents or caregivers. Your faith experience has been under the umbrella of someone else. And today you're saying to Jesus, I want to know you personally. As Paul has prayed, that's my prayer. I want to know your love. I want to experience your forgiveness from sin. From the things that I've done wrong, I want to know you. Whether you're in any of those groups and you're in the room or online, if you're online, I'm going to ask you to do something as well and hit the raise my hand button. But if you're in this room, you're saying yes to Jesus, I'd love you right now to put your hand in the air. Maybe gave me a little wave. Thank you. You're saying yes to Jesus. Yes to his love, his grace, his forgiveness. Thank you. Over here. Once I've seen it, you can take it down again. That's great. Who else? You're saying yes to Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, can I encourage you to be praying? Never disengage in these moments. You may feel it's not for you. It's not personally, but it is for someone else. So please be praying. Stay engaged with the process. Because right at this moment, people are battling. There's an internal thing going on and people are saying, can I do this? Am I in the right place? God isn't asking you to be in the right place. He's asking you to say yes to him. We're going to pray. And I'm just going to say some words. and Hopefully that will help those of you that are in the room or online that have made that decision just to articulate what you're feeling. And at the end of my prayer, everyone in this room, even if you're at home in your living room, I want you to celebrate, to clap, because every single decision deserves a celebration. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you now, and I give you my life. Father, I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask for forgiveness of everything I've done wrong. And I claim your promise that you will never leave me nor forsake me. I pray that I would fully experience and know your love for me. I pray that you will restore my soul. From this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ. Amen.